What's up, everybody? Welcome to the season finale of uh, Media Morgue. I am the Green Knight himself, and um, I'm speaking at a higher octave so that you can understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm joined by my fellow surgeons of cinema. Uh, the fox from Antichrist? Helen Mirren's pool boy. Uh, we are the show that talks about two movies, and we try to find a connecting thread between them so that you feel safer about broadening your cinematic horizons. Today, we're discussing the 2021 David Lowery fantastic epic, The Green Knight, uh, and then we'll come back into the second half with Excalibur from 1981, directed by someone else. John Borman. By John Borman, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before the reviews, we have the news. Just a couple items to go over today. Uh, Dan, let's go to you first. Can is happening, as I understand. Yeah, well, can has happened. Uh, COVID subsided just long enough uh, before this new strain developed um, mm. for all the art house movies to play in one big festival for the last time. Let's hope not, but I mean, that's kind of how it seemed. I mean, everybody was everybody was there, and uh, Julia DeCorno's new film, uh, she directed Raw, uh, Titan, is what mm-hmm. took home the Palme d'Or. Kind of has like a trippy synopsis is about like a woman who is in love with a car yeah. or something oh i've heard like, of this yes it's, uh, it's the a, trailer it's, for it's... it played in front of a pig with nicholas cage and i was like what's that and then come to find out that uh it won um there's also the gaspar noe film that stars dario argento uh and his very first acting role i believe hmm. which is weird because he's maybe 70 pushing 80 now uh the italian maestro of giallo horror um Mm -hmm. is making his acting debut so it's interesting and apparently it's a very sensitive uh just kind of like warm like romantic thing uh which is different from what else gaspar noe has done Mm -hmm. so i'm interested too yeah dario is 80 years old he's an old man that's so interesting that uh i i mean i'm not a cansologist uh so if someone is uh, please correct me very angry. Oh, yeah, I went to school for that, bro. You didn't know? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, just send an email at jwinley. Uh, Honestly, it's worth as much as, a, as a liberal uh, arts degree. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but taking that I don't know so much about can it feels like they're moving more genre and more international. I mean, they've always been international because they're a French body, but in terms of like mm-hmm. certainly yeah. getting weirder and more genre in the last few years, like Parasite is a genre movie you know what i mean like it's, and it's mm. like truly a genre movie and i think and giving that the palm dealer and then giving this weird body horror car sex movie a palm dealer Par- is parasite like, is yeah parasite's a genre movie pa- parasite is such a, an amalgamation of different genres that i think it kind of isn't really set to because when i think of a genre movie i think of something that's flat out horror or flat out action you know what i oh, mean no. parasite I, is I, a lot of Different genres kind of colliding. Uh, I don't mean genre in like the um, dogmatic sense or whatever, like like a genre. I mean like in the terms of like using a elevated uh, like tra- like wrapping to to mm-hmm. a story. You know what I mean? So like it's like Parasite feels okay. like a thriller to me. You know what I mean? So so that's genre mm-hmm. to me, uh, even though it does 
pull from horror and dark comedy and a couple other things. Flips a but bunch like, of stuff around. But that's all of that's all of Bong Joon Ho's work. It's all like genre mashing. Yeah. And I mean, so. Yeah, um, and it's interesting that something that isn't easily, I mean, I would say it's, it's something that isn't easily categorized like Parasite mm-hmm. winning uh, the Chief Award at Cannes is is what is surprising about it, right? Because Cannes is, you know, my understanding of it in a lot of film festivals is um, that while they, they honor the, the Raw, face. Raw won the Palme d'Or in 2016. I did not know that. Oh, wow, so, really? So this director has... Yeah, uh, so DeCorno has uh, two Palme d'Ors at this point. Oh, well, good for her. Uh, her? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so just in terms of like the, you know, festivals kind of, um, while they do seek out obviously films that are not that mainstream, they also do have people, like they're sort of favorites that they return to. Wes Anderson is always going to be at Cannes in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Bong Joon-ho um, penetrating that layer was, was obviously impressive. And as it is for whatever, th- what this movie sounds like, Titan, Titan um, looks very, uh, yeah, like you said, super dynamic for them to pick as a winner. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward yeah. to checking this out on my own. Can you believe it? You, you haven't seen it yet, Dan, right? No. Well, I mean, how could I have seen it? <laughs> I don't know what you got hey, going on. Hey. It was, it's not. <laughs> uh, it's not out. It's not. I was out. able to. I was able well, to cop a. It has a theatrical release yet. I was able no. to cop a digital ticket to South by Southwest a couple months nice. ago, which oh. uh, I think I told y'all about. Um, yeah, and I saw that October first, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so I mean, Justin, we're we're still uh, talking through like what our season two will look like, but I I look forward to coming back at some point in awards season so we can start talking about these movies that have washed through the uh film festivals yeah. and begin to like mm-hmm. because because i feel like we up to this point i mean green night in the last few weeks have been less so but certainly at the beginning of these seasons like we've been kind of digging around to find movies and i think when we get in the, yeah the breast of award season like that'll be really interesting because it's a different tale. for sure I'm I'm really really excited for uh, Vortex, the Gaspar Noé movie I was talking about before. Maybe even mm. more so than Titan. Uh, I'm reading an article right here. It's kind of a, a mediation on old age and, and death. A very melancholy movie. Um, yeah. He was hospitalized apparently. Gaspar Noé. He was uh, really close to dying. I, I forget what it was for, but he had to he had to go under the knife. Mm-hmm. Oh my um, god. Can't find that. But but this was basically his. Uh, the you know the movie that he was inspired to make from having such a close encounter with a uh, with death, death. Mm. and I and I wonder why Dario Argento is who he chose to to star. It's just very strange. And, and influence I, for I, I think him, maybe curiosity is taking over more for that one than Titan. <laughs> He's a genre master. I mean, I mean, I would assume it, it's it's kind of like I mean, I don't know what. Oh no, Enter the Void doesn't really have a genre. No, but I mean, if, I if mean. You, I mean, like Argento, psychedelia I mean, genre. No, but I mean, Argento is like a, a like a oh, Argento, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's like you kind of want. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like you see people like uh, who's the guy who made Neon Demon, Winding Refith. He has so much respect mm-hmm, for yeah. people like Lynch and all that, and he even like filmed movies with them. So, I, I would assume it's probably half stunt casting. You know what I mean? Because he's a yeah. You know, Dan, you, you talked about uh, you talked about um, um, morbid curiosity. You know, yeah. you just mentioned that, and I, and I think like there's something very interesting about work that is that is made near or like inspired by the artist's death. Yeah. I've been thinking about David Bowie's uh, Black Star a lot Definitely. recently, mm-hmm. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's it after the after the fact, after the artist passes away and then you review their art, you know, you're like it, it has this weird prescience way about it sure. like you know they they felt it coming in some way maybe they had a straight up diagnosis or maybe they didn't they just knew that like they weren't going to continue and this is they're they're putting a sort of message into it and it's kind of haunting um but it can still be very interesting to to investigate so um well it's yeah. it's interesting that this is another movie that's mediation on death because enter the void makes me think about death more than any movie i've ever seen like the whole mm-hmm. the whole time you're thinking about what it's like to die and i i mean in, in the first i mean not to spoil it I, I don't know if you guys are meaning to watch that but in the first like 45 Spoilers. minutes the protagonist it's this like pov thing and it's like a botched drug deal and in a japanese police in a tokyo gun down the protagonist while he's hiding in the bathroom trying to trying to flush uh i think he's, he's like an ecstasy dealer um, and then the rest of the movie is you're like, like his soul leaves his body and it's the POV of like the soul, like floating over mm-hmm. like seedy nightclubs in Paris and checking in on his friends and his, and his sister and stuff and, and seeing how they're like grieving and, and coping with his death. And it's like visually very arresting, but like at its core, it's such a profoundly sad, uh, sad, very effective, uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how he can make me think about death more than he already has. Because <laughs> that's like his thing right now. I mean, and and yeah. this one is apparently supposed to be even even more about what it's like to die. So, Or, or oh, I guess when, when you know you're going to die. Whereas yeah, the anticipation more, like, of it. Sudden death, you know. Right, is, right. Well, well this one's more about, about grappling with it. Sure. Yeah, let's, I guess we won't underestimate him, uh, his ability to, to make us fear mortality. Um Moving along a little bit, we, uh, Wes, you brought up right before we started recording that King Richard trailer. Uh, this is the biopic starring Will Smith Listen. Uh, about Richard Williams, the father Listen, of Venus. Big Will is going for that Oscar. He's like, I don't care sure if is. you guys think I can't act. I don't care that I can't hold an accent. I don't care. I don't care that Bad Boys 2 is the peak of my powers. I don't care. I'm getting that Oscar. And they're going <laughs> to give him that Oscar, guys. Um, is this the movie with that trailer where, where like the the um what, what's the name of that uh those people who like go to check in on kids and like abused homes and oh, stuff? Oh yeah, like called? ACS. American yeah, where like ACS shows up in the house and he's like, "Oh, yeah, you want to take a look around?" Okay. Yeah, that's oh, what that is. Yeah. yeah okay. I, so I do know. Well, what you're talking about. well, hey, look, guys. We Will Smith is not a good actor. But Will Smith is no, very he's charming. Very he's very charming. And I think we need to just be okay with that. And I think he needs to be okay with that. And I think we need to acknowledge that maybe... I think he is, dude. I think he's made this. peace with it. No, he I hasn't. Think he's no, because he wouldn't be making peace. movies like this if he had made peace with it. <laughs> he has clearly still tried to strain that... Trying to prove something. Yeah. And I don't... I, I don't prove anything. When was the last time he did like a hyper-serious thing, though? Because I feel uh, like concussion, he's, he's like a concussion. good... Concussion. Like four years ago. When was that from? That was right. That was right oh, during. Like, Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah, that was right yeah. during. That was when Oscar So Black started. Was he uh, bad as he didn't get nominated. For mm-hmm. Was he bad? Mm-hmm. Okay, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, my, listen. We we had this conversation. Wes, you and I had this conversation with Danielle off the air. You know, I don't. I don't think Will Smith is a bad actor. I think that he is very uh, capable um, in in the right kind of role, uh, and I 
I was looking at this and I, you know, there's definitely shades of pursuit of happiness, which is a pocket that he likes to, to play in right. a lot um, for his dramatic roles. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like w- when you're an actor who's been doing it for so long and you are chasing that one thing, it's like, even if you start to understand, as we've talked about several times on this show, like that the Academy isn't the end all be all of, of film no, and acting. You should never you're still- think that that's, that's like, what you need to be striving for because an oscar doesn't mean anything it's it's whatever studio threw the most money at the academy and got i mean like those old people don't even watch shit so it's like if you pay them enough and give them enough special treatment maybe they'll watch your movie yeah or the clip that you submit from it but it it's like he you know he is uh i think it's it definitely feels like a legacy thing for him to to have won it you know what i mean and, and for me, it's like, I feel like the Oscars, and this, this is coming from three people that will hopefully enter the film industry in the next decade or so, but like... That'd be nice. The, it would be nice. Uh, wishful thinking. But like, the Oscars... He wants his like... family to respect him again. That's way harsher than what I was going to say, Dan. I was, <laughs> I was going to say, like, the Oscars are going to mean less and less. The older people get and the more yeah. Uh, yeah. streaming takes over. Like, Netflix seems to be one of the only streamers that actually cares about getting an Oscar. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. The Oscars is such uh, award shows generally, but the Oscars specifically are such an antiquated way of looking at art. And we've acknowledged all the problems already. We've acknowledged that you can game the system, that they're racist, that they're sexist, that they're transphobic. You know what I mean? Isn't, like, we've acknowledged isn't the Shiva issues. Baby gonna be, isn't Shiva Baby going to be like an Oscar darling? That's like a Hulu exclusive. What is Shiva what? Baby? What's that? Oh, Shiva Baby. I thought you said um, She's the Baby. I was like, is that an Adam Sandler comedy? Shiva Baby. <laughs> it does sound that, good. That, like, uh, I, I don't really know anything about it, but, like, no, is that going to be a big deal this. with the Oscars? It might be. I mean, I don't know. HBO it's Max. So it's HBO so hard Max. to tell. It's so cool. hard to tell which, what, what, why studios still care about Oscars. Like, I, yeah. I, I get to HBO a certain extent why directors, but I, I get why directors and actors want Oscars because it helps their careers. But it's like validation. it's validation, but like ultimately, but ultimately, like we've acknowledged the issues with the awards bodies. So why are we still giving them burn, and why are we still making mm-hmm. shitty movies to prove that we can do it? Like everybody does this this type of shitty movie every year, which is you do a bad impression of the person you're playing, and in a mm-hmm. shitty movie, yeah. And we don't know if the movie is shitty. I shouldn't say that. It could be a good movie. Who knows? Uh, but you do a, a mid movie with an impression in it of a, a famous person. And the Oscars are like, oh my God, I can't believe he did a Freddie Mercury impression. And they give you an Oscar. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. And, and the greatest movies of any given year are not nominated for stuff. It was yeah. a miracle that Parasite was even seen by those older voters. And that was only because of the hype. If it didn't have so much hype behind it, they would not have watched that movie. No, right. And, and similarly, I mean, to, 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 to look at this movie specifically again, it, it you know, because one of the main things people have been talking about is that Will Smith doesn't really resemble Richard Williams at all. And but he is probably the only reason the movie is getting made because of his his uh, bankability. He still has a lot yeah. of bankability as a star, and because you know, he's a very rich guy. So um, not he's, to his family, but to the rest. Of no, no, not to his family. Not <laughs> at the red table, but generally. <laughs> He's an executive producer on this, I'm sure. And so, you know, it's, yeah, it's, but that's a very interesting point, Wes, the, the changing tide of the industry. And you could probably ride that segue right into this, this little bit of news about Scarlett Johansson uh, suing Disney. Oh for... yeah, dude. 
I don't really care about her getting more money, contract. but I'm excited for Disney to be getting sued by its biggest stars. I think that's really ironic and funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of a, uh, it's a massive uh, uh, table shake, you know, for I this guess to be I guess the only really uh, crumble from the inside is, not that this is like a crumble, but like an outsider suing Disney would not be a big deal, but like someone who's been banking on Disney for like the, the latter third of their life, you know, soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like- a- but She's been in nine movies with- marvel i guess it'll be eight disney movies because she was in iron man 2 and that was when they were still paramount yeah yeah and the only reason i care about this is because disney oh she was in jungle book i'm sorry (laughs) danny what were you saying the only reason i care about it is because disney's getting sued i mean at first when i saw this story it's like okay so rich people with nothing but time in their hands just suing each other all day Mm-hmm. Or rooms because that's that's fun for them. I mean, that's like all rich people do. They just they just sue each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't give a shit. Um, but then you know the the fact that like everyone is too scared to to really take up Disney and and like leave it to Scarlett Johansson to to say I don't, I don't give a shit about their power <laughs> and prestige. Like I'll fucking sue because yeah. she's made their money. She doesn't need to be in another movie for the rest of her life. Like she's no. She she's she's more money than she would ever know what to do with in like five lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I didn't care for us as a go like just rich people suing each other. But like it's it's the fact that you know it, it's saying to Disney you are not all powerful. Exactly. Like, exactly. And yeah. take what's mine. Yeah, and the specifics of it for for those listening who don't know is over a contract stipulation. Scarlett Johansson was promised in her contract that Black Widow, her most recent release, would have a theater exclusive uh, debut. And then there was a huge drop off um, in sales after the opening weekend, as you know, naturally people were like, well, if I have it at home, I'll just buy it there and keep, you know, maybe I'll go out the first weekend to see it, but I'm not going to go back. And that was not her understanding. Physically and then Disney exclusive thing. Maybe. I hope I mean, not. I, I, I hope. I hope it's, it's not. not. Be watched twice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't watch it more than once. I mean, look. I mean, that we everybody's made the the cheeky jokes, like, and by everyone, I I mean me. Uh, that uh, like, who was going to go out of their home to see that movie anyway? But I think mm-hmm. Dan's. But I think Dan's point is well taken, and I think Disney a did Scarlett Johansson dirty from Jump. Uh, by not giving her one, a solo movie in the second phase, which they should have mm-hmm. done, when she had high momentum and people really yeah. loved that character and she hadn't cosplayed as an yeah. Asian woman yet. Like, when her stock was all the way up, they should have did it then. Yeah. They didn't do it. Uh, that was their bad. <laughs> she 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 was done dirty that way, and then also they should have renegotiated her contract. Like, I don't... That's, like, pretty basic to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a Disney lawyer or anything, so maybe I, I'm missing something, but, like... Renegotiate your actors' contracts. Like we don't have to like Scarlett Johansson or Emma Stone, who is also thinking of suing, uh, to acknowledge. I was just about to say, you, yeah. if you negotiated a certain thing on your contract, you should get it. You know what I mean? And I think I don't know how this is going to shake yeah. out because Disney has about as much money as a as a world nation, uh, as like a, a first world nation. But we'll mm-hmm. see. I guess you know. Yeah, we will see. I mean, you know, we. we what would be ideal is if this, uh, if these, you know, upsets by these two major actresses could um, inspire, you know, uh, more actors who aren't necessarily at that same level um, to get their coin, you know, and make sure that if they if they are in these situations with these major franchise deals that they're not taken advantage of, or at the very least that they read all the fine print, 
um, you know, so situations like this don't happen. But listen, this is going to be a pretty dirty episode uh, because um, if y'all don't know, both these movies we're talking about are uh, very charged and uh, very horny. Our, our very first horny. break and come back to talk about the Green Knight. All right, folks, welcome back uh, from the break. As we said up top, we are talking about The Green Knight, or sometimes, uh, probably in the future, it'll be called by its full title, Sir Garwin and the Green Knight. By Garwin. Garwin. Gawain. Gawain. An American <laughs> epic medieval fantasy written, edited, produced, and directed by David Lowry, which stars Dev Patel, uh, Sarita Chowdhury, Sean Harris, Joel Edgerton, uh, Alicia Vikander and Ralph Innocent, among many others. Um, Alicia Vikander twice. Alicia Vikander, yeah, yeah two separate roles. She she pulls up twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which we'll get into. Um, as usual, we'll we'll go for our initial impressions. Dan and I actually got to see this together. Yeah. Um, oh wow, wow. Yeah, we. Sounds sorry, nice. man. Sorry, Sounds man. nice. Nice to not be invited. <laughs> nice to not be invited. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, next time. But uh, Dan, how? I mean, we talked about it a little bit to each other, of course, after the show, but. Um, how did you feel, you know, while watching it immediately after, apart from that weird, bizarre survey that they wanted us to fill out? Uh, yeah, it, it plays pretty well. I mean, there, there's a nice sense of pacing. It's, it's got like a, a good adventure movie pacing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say that this is like maybe the only A24 movie or like the first A24 movie I would like show to a kid, but not really. I mean, there, there's stuff in this that like, like a kid wouldn't get uh, right, but in the first place, isn't Sir Gowan and uh, the Green Knight like a fairy tale? Just but like one of those like Grimm's brothers, like really dark. I think nah. it's a poem, right? It, it's a it's an Arthurian legend from the fourteen hundreds. Okay. Apparently, a- apparently, so, that's that's what little I know. Uh, but but I mean, I like the surrealist aspects. Uh, I think there's there's really memorable set pieces. Uh, overall, it's it's, I mean, a pretty solid movie. I, I don't really have that much to say about it because I feel weird picking stuff like this apart. I mean, it's just like an artist by an artist for themselves to like please themselves. Mm. It doesn't really seem like it's supposed to be like a blockbuster that has to like please the masses. That's why I was turned off by that A24 survey after the movie. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? What would you change about it? Would you see another movie in this universe? It's like, what are you doing? Yes, yeah, stop. You're I would. I would. You're supposed to be the fucking opposite of that, though. You're not supposed to do... Like, I, I really wish that they would not be interested in cinematic universes and that they would just keep doing one-off things. Because yeah, that was an alarming question. Survey. Yeah. yeah, I've never had to fill out a survey for an A24 movie. Like, it's either you like it or you don't. You, you don't, like, say I would change this and this. Like, you do that with, like, blockbusters. I don't even think I filled like, out a survey for any movie. Let alone, uh, let alone an A24 one. I survey when I saw an early screening of a uh, Logan. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, but that's the only other time. Mm. Interesting. It, it just is strange that this is the movie that they're asking if you would change stuff mm. about it. I just don't get that. Well, I remember Dan... Uh, I'm sick, were... by the way, everybody. That's why I sound like this. For all of you <laughs> listening at home. Um, I remember you also were rather surprised, as was I, at the amount of people 
that were coming to see this yeah. movie. And I think a yeah. lot of that just has to do with like, you know, people miss the movie theaters, but also A24 is very popular. A24 and so, is, is more popular now than ever yeah. before. They, yeah. they can sell movies with that logo. Yeah. They can. They can. They can. And, and they, they did. <laughs> I mean, and they did. Movie. And they did. <laughs> it's exactly what they did. Um, uh, Wes, I know you were super excited about this. Obviously, this is the yeah. episode where you selected the companion movie, so I'm interested yeah. to hear your thoughts. This episode's going to be insufferable for anyone who does not give uh, a fuck about King Arthur. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, I'm I'm a big fan of those legends. Um, since mm. I was a kid, it was like uh, one of the first books I read was like a four part king arthur picture book that my dad got me so i've been i've been in i've been in for years um, you got time in yeah i got time in you know i clocked my time in uh mm-hmm. and i uh i don't know i've never seen any movie by david lowry i was really excited to see this because i've heard he's a really good director uh maybe i'll go back and comb through the rest of his his movies now the that i've seen this interesting for sure i've heard that i've heard that old man of the gun is fun um i love this i really did i really really love this and it's i feel like me and dan are going to be switched in this episode because usually dan is hot for a movie like this and then i'm like this is fine uh or this is good uh but i feel like i feel like i don't know i really really dug it i thought i mean everybody's talking about the visuals and dev patel's performance and then his performance if you get my drip hey Uh, hey uh but the thing that really kind of moved me about the movie is like it's about a a shitty guy that's trying to be a better guy. And I think that's kind of a basic story thing, but it's also very effective. It's like, he's just, he's just a shitty guy and he's just really doesn't want to be, but he keeps getting in his own way. And that the, Mm. the, the arc is that by the end, hopefully he's just slightly less selfish. And I think that's, that's really cool to me. And I think, well, yes. Okay. But, by the end, whether he's dead or not dead, uh, which we can get into, I think it's 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 cool that they they attempt to tell a story that is like an epic story, but is actually just a story about a guy trying to not be a bad guy, uh, yeah, which I guess is the definition of a morality tale. But those are usually boring, and this is not. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I uh, I very much enjoyed this. I've continued to think about it since seeing it, um, and it. It, it, it wasn't what I expected. Um, you know, I definitely thought, I mean, I, I remember saying to Dan after we left, like the trailers through me, you know, the initial trailer was very emphasizing, very much emphasizing the horror, which obviously by that point, A24 had been distributing and releasing a lot of horror movies. And then the second trailer, I remember being leaning much more into the fantasy elements yeah. and kind of the fun of it. It being a lot more colorful too, like showcasing more of the color palette of the movie. Beautiful colors, like like yeah. the autumn like palette. Like there, there's one shot, like Justin, when we were leaving the movie, I brought up this shot, but like where he's riding his horse and like the lens is getting really foggy and like and like covered in water from the rain mm-hmm. and like there's like a very like thick mist around him and he's like kind of riding. It's just like satisfying, like to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. these very like practical like like out out in these like barren countryside just like dev patel like riding a horse like it's yeah there's a and, sad and when it comes with that. yeah and i wasn't one of the things i i definitely wasn't expecting it to be kind of like carved into vignettes you know or chapters within the movie uh which was a cool way you know they had that almost like that side mission with um 
homegirl from uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, uh, and and Solo before that, the redhead. Um, Imogen something, I feel like her name was. It, where was the shot? Does I anybody know? Great question. I will look up. Uh, Ireland. I think it was like shot in Ireland. Thing? I think it was Ireland. Okay. This and the witch have very believable like forests and countrysides for like the time period, whereas something mm. like Excalibur, for example, just looks like they're like filming in the woods. You bet. Like, <laughs> like in you Central bet. Park. <laughs> you bet. You like, bet. Modern day and like they're just like in the woods and like night outfits. But like in this, like the countrysides and like the woods seem like they're from the time period. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It 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 feels very authentic. Um, I want to kind of get into right off the bat uh, some of one of the things that stuck out to me a lot, which is that this movie is is very confident that like you're you know uh, a lot about like Camelot, you know. Yeah. I, I remember there's that brief moment where the Green Knight shows up, and um, uh, Arthur, King Arthur, played by Sean Harris, looks over to this dude yeah. in the corner, and I'm like. And he does, he casts like a little spell or something and shakes his head and they have like a moment. I'm like, oh, is that supposed to be Merlin? I guess so, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. beard and the, yeah, yeah. like, you recognize the iconography of the character, but no one ever says, oh, Merlin, come over here, dude, check this out. <laughs> no one's ever calling him by name. I don't, you know, we barely right. even hear uh, Arthur. I don't think we hear someone call him King Arthur. He's just the king. And so mm-hmm. um, that was really interesting to me because it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it isn't like Excalibur where like we're hearing the name of the sword and Morgan Le Fay and you know, it's, it's very much uh, past Arthur's time, but it's expecting you to still be able to intuit uh, who these people are, which I obviously, we, you know, at least I was able to. Uh, and they really I, humanize him at one point. He's like, my, my mm. tooth hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, and also they have that moment where he's trying to lift Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And it's like just clearly a lot of effort for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like this is a lot of work to lift this yeah. powerful I mean, sword. Sean Harris is a is a great choice for this role too because um obviously we know back then people weren't making it to 70 and 80. You know, yeah. you yeah. got to 60, you were lucky. You know, Sean Harris is middle-aged, but he looks for that time like a really old man. Yeah. Um yeah. and you can tell that like uh he's he's past his prime as a warrior. Um but yeah, I mean that that's probably that's got to be one of my favorite scenes is the Green Knight's arrival. And this is the he's played by Ralph Innocen with his distinctive, you know, subterranean voice um, uh showing up to give this challenge to the court, you know, any of your knights can strike me uh and whatever they do to me, I have a chance to return to them um in a year and a day from now. So yeah. somebody do something. And I, you know, what's interesting is that I think one of the other things this movie does really well is it plays with tension and release, mm-hmm. you know, uh, either by like undercutting it and giving you something that isn't scary or it scares you, but it's like really effective. Um, yeah. With this, I was like, okay, I've seen in the trailer that he cuts the green Knight's head off, but like, why would he do that? Knowing the rules, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if, if that's actually what you, if that, if what he's saying is true, you know, and Arthur tells him it's only a game, but like, games can still have consequences, right? And I, I think part of it is maybe working to establish, like you said, Wes, some of his his hubris, maybe. I mean, a lot of the yeah. best fables are about hubris. Um, yeah. But what was your take on I feel like there was a reaction in the theater when he cut his head off. Yeah. We were like, why would you do that? Because he didn't <laughs> have to. He didn't have to. Right. I, I think, I think, I think, I mean, there's a couple interpretations and I haven't finished the poem, so I'm sure there's one in there too. But mm-hmm. just from interviews with uh, the director, it seems as if 
it's meant to be a morality or like a you need to grow up thing from his mom mm-hmm. who in this version is Morgan Le Fay who I don't think is his mom in the in yeah. the original text like in the original text it's it's Morgan it's uh Morga- Morgaz who is like Arthur's other sister like Arthur has like three mm-hmm. sisters and one is a witch right. uh and the witch one has now been made into Gowan's mom and in this version okay. they oh. attempt oh, really? they, yeah, yeah yeah so huh. so in this version, because in, apparently at the end of the, because the poem, are nice, right? yes. So 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 apparently apparently in the original poem, Morgan Le Fay shows up at the end and is like surprise. This was a test because you're immature and surprise. Mm-hmm. I've made you a better person. Uh, and in this version, I guess David Lauer was like, "That's stupid. Like we can't just have her yeah, show no, up at the stupid. end." So so mm-hmm. having her be his mom and it being an elaborate quest that she sends her son on to grow him up uh Mm -hmm. seems like an interesting at least theory or intention for me especially given that when he's about to go face the green knight the fox which i assume is the witch is familiar is like hey hey you're good yeah you're like you're good hey man like you didn't have to go this far (laughs) you were fine you're fine for me um at least the way this story is presented in in this film uh it, it is scary because of the ambiguous nature and i haven't read the poem that you're referring to mm-hmm. if that is how it ends then that's disappointing but like the, the fact that like he shows up and, and you're wondering if like that's all there is to he even asks the knight like is this all there is to it just mm-hmm. like, later you you do the same thing to me like how, how is it even a game and and my interpretation is that he maybe is coming from another race that looks down on humanity and, and uh, you know, because they can, they have, um, what's that called? Regenerative abilities. Regenerative abilities and like making humanity think that they got up on you by cutting your head off while not knowing that you're just going to regenerate it and, and mm-hmm. do the same to them a year later where they, they will actually do it. Like, mm-hmm. is, is something, like I was thinking about that the whole time like where does he come from and and is this just a power move to make humanity like long term afraid of of whatever race that mm. i mean it it's super ambiguous yeah so, so ambiguous. i mean what seems well danny you you mentioned something earlier that i think is what uh you know we can kind of connect to this which is that you you would almost feel comfortable almost showing this to a kid it feels yeah. like the uncensored version of like a disney story right but we know a sure. lot of those disney movies were like, or like super or like a, a Grimm sanitized Brothers fairy tale exactly that, like, is an actual adaptation of that yeah and I, and I think what's what supports that is the fact that at the end the green knight is somewhat sympathetic toward garwin yeah he wants to it's like he taught him a lesson. He says, you know, well done, my brave knight. I'm still going to cut your head off, but you learned what you had to learn. And I think, you know, obviously, What's Dan, you said, well, he dies. At that point, if you're just going to Because he's going to cut his head off. Yeah. I don't know no, if I don't he know. does. I don't know if he does. I know, I know maybe the literal interpretation is that he, he draws his finger over his throat and is like, I got you. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to kill you. Um, and apparently there was a cut. The cut that was going to come out last year has him cutting off his head, and that's the last shot. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's much more interesting because he doesn't kill him in the in the in the, the the poem. He just cuts his throat, and there's like a gash there, and he goes back home, and he's like, "Look, like this is a scar because I, you know, got it over I my face." That makes um, me understand the yeah. game even less because it's like if, if the game is to long term, like have a horror story that like the knights tell so that they know not to fuck with 
whatever race the Green Knight comes from, then like, what would the point be of, of him just messing with him and, and not killing him back? Well, well I, I, I think I, I, I think I think that might be. I don't know. I, I feel like something that I was thinking. This is going to get super like. Uh, I guess verging on pretentious or whatever, but I feel like it's less literal than even that. Like, I feel like it's the green knight is death. Like it's almost like the inevitability. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're eventually you're going to have to face death and be okay yeah. with it. Um, and I think it, it is the, a surrealist piece. So no, like I was def- but I was what, def- what, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is like, good. I, the game of it is actually less interesting to me than the idea that Darwin like looks in like literally he's afraid because he's essentially like i have so much life to live like i could do so much if yeah, i don't die yeah, right it here. is a and then and then it is a microcosm of emotions that we feel every day because every day you think about the fact that eventually you're gonna die and it's like well i have time so why think about it you know and, and, but then he thinks about it he thinks about it and we have that amazing montage of like that is essentially him become he becomes king of camelot and shits the bed like he's terrible at it yeah. you know what i mean and i and that's yeah. that's well, yeah. At least, and that's interesting to me because it's like this version of Gowan, the version that we've been following the whole movie, who's a shitty guy. Of course, he'd be a terrible king. Like the idea that the idea that just because he's right. our main character, he, which is a thing that Excalibur does, which is like because he's our main character, he's a good person. Yeah. Um, this is like mm-hmm. he's our main character. He's a bad guy, and he would be a bad king. And maybe it would be better if he just died yeah. right yeah. here. You know I what mean, I mean? To- yeah to, yeah, to that point, Wes, you you, you do have that uh, again. So much that's communicated wordlessly, which I really respect this movie for. Uh, you know, leaving it up to people like us to come and talk about it on a podcast. But like the the scene where um, Alicia Vikander's character Essel gets the baby essentially ripped away from her out of her arms yeah. uh, for for a few pieces of gold because Arthur needs an heir, but he doesn't need her as his wife because she's of too low a station, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, give, give me this kid and then deuces. Because uh, I, I have this arranged marriage, you know, with this other person. And we see her at a higher station at another point in the film. And uh, that's interesting. Right. As a, as a different character, which which I wonder, yeah, let's talk about that. The double Alicia Vikander casting, um, mm-hmm. you know. First she traps his soul in a fucking painting. And then... <laughs> She gives him a hand job. It was yeah. and real knights, real knights do not come that quick. They don't. That's so she could tell if he was a real knight. He came too fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, or maybe because she, as you said, Danny, she's been having sex with a closeted man who probably isn't attracted to her. Or, or, um, but, but I, I think, I think, I'm. I, I do like that. That was the test to see if he was a knight or not, though, whether or not he would, he would come on the wind, like under. Right. I just. Think that's I, 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 I am. I wonder if the double Alicia Vikander is not nodding to the fact that this test is is a magical thing. Like it's that not not like obviously the whole thing's a magical thing, but like the, the, the test is almost a more um, uh, surrealist. His mom is puppeting the thing. You know like what I mean? Like an illusion. Yeah, yeah. Because 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 it doubles yeah, and and I and then the. The mark of of witches in the movie is the the thing over the eyes, and then the yeah. old lady has the thing over the eyes, and uh, yeah. and the the items that he loses keeps getting keep getting dropped in his lap again, as if right. as if the tests in his way are not actually tests; they were just tests of morality mm-hmm. that he keeps failing. And then someone is like, "Okay, I'm going to give you back the axe. Let's see if you can do it. Checkpoint. I'm going to give you yeah. back the girder. Let's see if you can do it again. You know what I mean?" 
Yeah, you know, it, it's that's an interesting point too. And in, in thinking about how this movie plays with the the fable structure, we do have stories like that where you know, um, like I'm thinking of like uh, the uh, what is it? Not Nightmare Before Christmas, but like the the whatever the Scrooge story is, right? Where like Christmas he Carol. goes and Chris, thank you, Christmas Carol. He visits the different eras and like he sees the same people playing like different roles in that time. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you'll see that in a lot of children's stories where it's like, Oh, aren't you Mr. Whatever from whatever? No, I'm this person now. So like, mm -hmm. it, it does feel, it does have that kind of uh, flavor to it, but it's only with her character, which I think is definitely intent. It's obviously intentional. It's like, they could have found another actress if they wanted to, but I think specifically yeah. making it Alicia Vikander when she's already played this other character is like, okay, he Garwin, here's what you want, right? You want like, you don't have a problem with how Essel looks. You don't have a problem with her body. You have a problem with her station. So what if it was the same exact looking person in the correct station? Would you be able to handle it? And apparently he would not. He, can't. You know? he just jizzes all over his mom's rag. Just yeah. all over. Well, is, is regularly Shivakander as spooky as the double one? Because the double. She is pretty spooked. No, she has a soul on a painting and then she gives like a scary like Shakespearean sign. Yeah, like, yeah she I, does. And, and, and like the dining She almost, I thought she was like another witch. I mean, I guess maybe she is another witch. I think witch. she is another witch. I think she is another yeah. witch. I, the, 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 that whole sequence is just, is bonkers. And then yeah. we, we have like the guy in the bear suit. At some point, who I guess is Joel right. Edgerton, it's yeah. it, it, very strange. I, so I wasn't hallucinating when I saw that, right? Because when he opens the door, there's a there's like a bear holding the lantern, oh, yes. and I thought, like, is Joel Edgerton going to turn into a bear in this? He's but the I, Green he, he Knight in the original poem. He is the Green Knight, kind of bear. Oh, okay. He, he is the Green Knight in the original who poem. Is? In the original poem, you find out that the because Morgan Le Fay is orchestrating the whole thing. Uh, uh -huh. She has. Huh. put the green knight in his way earlier oh, and and then he meets him later and he's like surprise it was me gotcha but the green knight what in the story is like a real supernatural i believe i believe it is a real supernatural figure that is in some way being does he cut his head off in the story yeah. no he, he cuts, cuts his he cuts his head off i mean i mean gowan cuts the green knight's head off and then the and green knight takes back. a swing at gowan's head at the end and doesn't kill him but but the Green Knight is like not like a prank. He's no, he's a, a real guy. Superman. He's a real guy. It's just puppeted yeah. uh, by Morgan Le Fay in some way. Yeah, um, I kind of I was expecting some sort of like, um, I mean, maybe in a movie that was more literal, right? It, it would have been like, this is the story of the Green Knight. He's actually Lancelot cursed to wander the earth after yeah. a fight. You know what I mean? Like, I almost expected some sort of thing like that. But um, there was that moment where he, you know, he rides out with his severed head in his hand. And I was, oh, it's the Headless Horseman. Yeah, you know, headless horseman. yeah I, I thought um, that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, he's definitely a metaphor for death. The, the actual scene where he approaches the round table is like... It's amazing. Like, the, the double exposures where the mom from The Witch is reading his, oh, his yeah. letter and, it, and it's showing the words. Like, as she's reading it, and there's that, like, red light beaming down on her. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love the lighting the in here. the movie was that, like, hardcore. It, it, was like a, it was, like, hardcore surreal. Yeah. Oh, I loved the lighting in this. Like, when, when whenever someone is using magic, their face turns red for a second, and then it goes away. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. 
That's there's that moment with. But the rest of the movie isn't really like that scene, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that scene is that scene is really like really stylized. And there is that scene. There is that scene where Garwin is diving for the skull of the of this chick, and and you have the trippy like red lighting, and he you know he dives down, but he's up in the frame. They do tricky stuff like that. Obviously, you have that giant sequence, which I love and is completely Uh, unexplained for the rest of the movie, which is fine. Um, Well, well, so so is the fox being the fox from antichrist and fucking talking to him i loved it that's that's going to yeah i mean it's it's what's interesting is the balance in this movie between what people are what supernatural things people are used to and what they're not and 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 what is what turns the corner into strange for them which is why i think the green knight's appearance not to harp on the scene too much but it's so cool because you have that moment where arthur looks at merlin as if to say you know something about this my nigga like who is this guy (laughs) and merlin's like yeah, Marlon's like I, I don't, I can't, I have nothing for you, Chief. And so you ha- that's where we've we've really crossed into the uncanny valley of like this is totally new to everyone. Um, yeah. And maybe we've heard stories about this guy, maybe. But if even Merlin doesn't know, then like I love how the King Arthur lore is like he was just tight with some wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, I love that he just like he just him. has a wizard around. He's just like, yeah. hey, <laughs> yeah. I just like. I, I have to use the bathroom really bad, but the castle's a couple feet away. Can you like transport me into the <laughs> castle? And the wizard's exactly. like, got it, got it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I mean, also your Merlin's father. Kind of like ancient, Merlin's this like ancient. Uh, he's like, like a demon man. Well, he's like half he's, demon. He, yeah, he's basically a demon. He's he's like ancient and all knowing and all powerful. It's and like, he's best friends with this child who's Lord. been alive for. It's kind of like the, yes. uh, to take this on a on a brief tangent, but. I remember hearing someone talk about how it's weird that Wolverine would ever be attracted to Jean Grey when he's like 300 years old and he's met like so many different kinds of women. And by the time he meets her, she's probably a teenager. And it's like, what do you have in common with this person? It's kind of like with Merlin. It's But when, you, uh, when you're when you a demigod or demon, whatever, like Merlin is, you obviously you take favorites. It's the same thing that happens with Gandalf and Frodo and Aragorn and all those folks. Yeah. Um, it... Uh, yeah, I I think um, Wolverine is five foot three, so I think you can take. That's what it is. It yeah. levels it out. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I there's also. I mean, we haven't. We've only kind of talked about his mom in the movie, like as a plot Please, point. But but she's like the actress is so good. Like she's so, so good. And and the witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom. I think I I. I think I may have enjoyed her performance the most, especially in those silent moments when he's flashing forward and he's in like Camelot is falling and the camera turns and everyone, mm-hmm. everyone leaves. leaves and she like gives yeah. him a little pat on the shoulder and leaves you got too. It. You know she's what like, it is. She's like, you got it. Uh, yeah. What's interesting, actually, fun fact, especially for you, Wes, uh, this is the same actress who a few years ago did Mississippi Masala. Mississippi, with. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it. I, <laughs> with I, Denzel Washington, I, which uh, I haven't I have been to able watch to find movie. anywhere. I have to watch. It, it's one of those hidden Denzel movies I still have to watch. Yeah. But, yeah, but she's she's great. The first time I saw that actress was in Jessica Jones of all places. She uh, mom. Yeah, she played um, uh, the love the interest witch? of uh, of uh, no, not the mom from the witch. The mom from the. Uh, Garwin's mom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who is a witch. Um, but she was in Jessica Jones. She played uh, uh, Carrie Ann Moss's love interest uh, okay. in the third season. Uh, yeah, really cool performance. I, I, what I thought was interesting, I mean, obviously, Wes, you've talked about like her orchestrating a quest to grow her son up. I also, I looked at it as like, 
you know, early on, he has this conversation with Arthur and he's like, I have no stories to tell. And Guinevere tells him not yet. And I thought it was the mother being like, I'm going to give him a story like I, which is a very Morgan Le Fay thing to do. I feel like I'm going to orchestrate this great quest so that my child can be, you know, revered. Um, uh, knowing now that she's Morgan Le Fay, which I didn't know watching the movie, that's really interesting. Uh, it's a cool take on that character because I think she has she gives birth. Well, she has a son in the movie we're going to talk about next, mm-hmm. who's a lot more of a piece of trash. A bastard, just a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else that stood out to y'all, um, scene wise, theme wise? It's fucking awesome. I, I would watch it again for the visuals, mm-hmm. like the horseback riding and like the, the the spooky elements when he's like riding around at night and stuff. I mean, I I would just watch like a super cut of like dev patel riding around on the horse yeah you could put it as like one of those moving wallpapers or lock screens that just like when your tv is so much beautiful just like riding through the forest i mean that's that's what i think about the most i think there's a few times dan i or at least one time i turned to you and i said it's like ghost of tsushima yeah Yeah. but it reminded me of of that at each other and was like wow this is like a beautiful fucking movie yeah and following the fox around and 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 all that it, it felt um uh very much like that game going through all those different locales. It's also trippy yeah. as balls. Uh, very much like very I'm sure trippy. there are scenes in this movie that I'd be concerned if someone watched while like yeah. on psychedelics Zooted. already. Zooted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh... Wait until I bring fucking Enter the Void onto the show. <laughs> yeah i'm sure i mean doesn't he eat straight up he straight up eats a mushroom in this in this yeah, movie and then he, and then it, if it just messes his mind up yeah for a minute, yeah for a quick minute i uh what, the only thing I'll say after is I'll probably watch this again, but I also say this is probably uh, my favorite of the King Arthur adaptations that sure. I've seen, uh, which is not. I mean, there are a lot. There are a lot. There's like an off-brand um, King Arthur and Army of Darkness, and there's like an off-brand Merlin too. There is. <laughs> Do you remember? And also Dark the, Tower, the, the, the Steve. <laughs> yes. And then the uh, the Stephen King has his off brand King Arthur and Dark Tower and yeah. mm. all those things. But um, no, I mean, I think this got to the heart of like the weirdness of those legends. And I think a lot of times they try to sand them down or they go straight for the one of your Lancelot story, which mm. is cool, I guess. Um, but the weirdness of like paganism and Christianity mm-hmm. uh, and him carrying around like a pentagram on his shield uh, yeah. and then putting holy water on it and. I don't know. It's just all very interesting to me. And I think Dev Patel, who we haven't talked about enough on this thing, his acting ability, I think he does an amazing job in the yeah. performance. Like, I think, I mean, like, yeah. if Hollywood wasn't racist, this would be his ticket into sure. every single casting office. He's, but he's, he's the only person of color in the movie, isn't he? Well, his mom. No, his mom is. But I think the movie, weirdly enough, is actually commenting on it. It's not like yeah. they just cast Gowan as Indian and they were like, all right, yeah. that's it. It's like the movie almost seems to be commenting on like the uh well, the in, in wide shots it also stuff. just clearly conveys that like he's the protagonist because it looks different from everyone else. It's like mm. an anime, you know in anime like the, whoever is the craziest hair in a wide shot is the protagonist. <laughs> but it, it also it's like it's like by placing him inside of a a story that is usually for a, a white boy like that's yeah. It, it more than like representation whatever the hell that means it's like it, it changes the story and the story actually seems to compensate for it which is cool um which i appreciate. yeah and I, and i think maybe maybe just for me my my last notes on this before we rate it um 
I, when it comes to the Green Knight himself, who is probably the most fascinating character in the story, but has the least amount of screen time and the movie's named after him, right? It's like, mm-hmm. there's there's so much intrigue and tension building up to this confrontation. And then of course, when Garwin awa- arrives, he has to wait for like 24 hours before the dude even opens his eyes to look at him. And then he goes back to sleep. You know, it's it's such an interesting meditation on like, on patience, on on selfishness too. I think what's powerful about that montage vision that he has of what if I keep on this girdle and, 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 and I run away, like that he'd be carrying that guilt with him, right? And that even if he wasn't actually a walking zombie, the shame of knowing that he didn't face his fear. I feel like everyone fear. else would get it though. Like, yeah. I, would get it. I would get it. Like you don't want to die. Oh, well, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. For of sure. For sure. And then, and then he like skips away. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> he like, yeah. and then he does his, a little. His, his fear is so real. It's it's so well, well played. Yeah. And I, I just think like it's the, whether it is, I mean, with that specific moment where he takes off the girdle and his head falls off. Whether that's literal or if that is a that is a metaphor for his shame overcoming him, whatever the message is conveyed the same, and it's like like you said, you know, maybe it's better to just accept whatever this is. There was even a part of me that was like, exactly. There was even a part of me that wondered, what if like, to your point, Dan, if if uh, death is kind of like a meaningless thing to the Green Knight, um, I almost wondered if like him killing. Garwin would even stick like I almost I wondered if they would show him chopping his head and like the axe would like intangible itself through or like there would be something where it didn't actually kill him but he he learned you know what it means to like be on the other end of that decision um you know that you know and, and maybe it didn't happen but uh yeah it's it's definitely got an ending that uh I think if you trimmed out some of the some of the scenes like the hand job uh you, you could probably show this to a kid and explain to them uh i like the why eccentric stuff though like, like yeah the hand job i thought was uh i just mean for the purpose of showing I, listen i don't i don't have a problem with it i mean for the purpose. I, I, I like to think that there was a prop guy who on his oh, list that morning had to make synthetic semen yeah how do you make that job. i was gonna ask you all if you i mean i'm not uh, i can uh, drop the recipe in the show notes if you guys want me to do oh, some yeah, research yeah, sure. please do please it's, do it's like when you uh get a, a vinyl from one of those services and it comes with like a recipe for a cocktail to make to like yeah. <laughs> this is like the recipe to listen to this show with it looks like yeah, yeah. like a white russian or something oh god um all that said uh i really liked it i'm gonna go ahead and give it um i'm gonna give it four friendly green knights out of five yeah i, I would give it a six fun silly talking satanic foxes out of seven i'll give it a four and a half semen soaked rags out of five nice and gushy baby oh, uh yeah <laughs> those are our thoughts on the green knight uh go check it out if you have the time to it's a really good movie that you know we all recommend it obviously we'll take our second break and then come back west will lead us through excalibur 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 is a 1981 film by John Borman. It stars Nigel Terry as King Arthur, Helen Mirren as Morgan Le Fay, uh, a very, very young Liam Neeson as a different version of Sir Gawain, uh, Gabriel Byrne a la Hereditary as King Uther, 
uh, and Patrick Stewart as King. Who is not young. Who, who was well, old man's, he has he old born. man face, just old face <laughs> yeah. um, as King Leo the Grace. Uh, yeah, Patrick also, Stewart's one of those actors. I'm sorry. I'm sorry no, Rose, I just, no, no, go. I just have to say Patrick Stewart is one of those actors who's been old forever. Yeah. Just no disrespect to him. Love the guy. It's it, it, what it really is when you get older, you Being realize like it's not disrespectful. No, it's 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 it, it could sound. But but I mean. When you're younger, you don't realize that not every actor yeah. starts has a linear path, right? And so, like some actors, he's been wise since he was a teenager. Exactly, some like, actors come into their career middle age. Which Morgan Freeman started, you know, pretty, he already had gray hair. So it's just one of those things. Um, but yes, enough about alopecia. Go ahead, Wes. No, no, I just uh, that's a very well. I, he shows up in this movie, and I'm like, he just looks like Professor Xavier here, and yeah. this is '81. Like this I don't. Movie's full of actors. It's, but the weird thing about this film, we'll get into it after uh, this letterbox review. It's like amazing Shakespearean actors doing this cheesy, yeah. uh, like chewing the scenery. Yeah, yeah. Merlin, where are you? Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Literally hunks of 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 like scenery <laughs> falling out of their mouths. Um, <laughs> um, but I was gonna say. This is drawn attention to the fact that knights were just running around in like big garbage cans, like oh. stumbling around all, all like uh, more so than any other movie I've ever seen. They're they're literally like they all look like they're about to fall over and they're yeah. just like hitting each other with big pieces of like metal and like knights had like no decorum or like artistry to the way mm-hmm. they fought at yeah. all. They were just guys yeah. running around in fucking robot costumes. I, I with big pieces of steel. And I think we forget that, Dan, because Game of Thrones has made armor look sexier than it probably actually looked. Mm, it yeah. slimmed it down to a certain extent. Everybody has gold armor or white that. armor. But I remember as a teenager discovering this movie and thinking the big blocky silver armor is the coolest thing in the world yeah. because each knight gets mm. a different helmet. Like, um, every, yeah, like, it's like customized. Is like they're putting the whole back into it, like both hands. And like yeah. and it's, it's so, bloody. Like, and, and bulky, and then, yeah. And then oh, they have yeah, that moment. Yeah, and then you like have that moment where 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 Mordred puts the the spear through Arthur, and you can see the spear sticking out of his chest, and he's like walking around with the spear in his chest. Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah. Um, but quickly, I'm going to go through these Letterbox reviews. Uh, Letterbox is loves making fun of Excalibur. Uh, it's also it coincidentally should. the movie that Zack Snyder has decided the Waynes went to before they were shot in the alley in Batman versus Superman. It's so oh, the last yeah. thing Thomas and Martha Wayne saw Everyone makes the little fucking jokes on Letterbox. Excalibur isn't a joke to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> David Sims gives it a four star, and it says probably the best movie ever that could also be considered a porn parody, which I prepared you guys for. I told you guys this was very porny, and it is. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. porny. Yeah. It's got some, uh, it's got some heat to it. Um, Diego. It's like they're in Halloween. Cup. <laughs> which is porny uh <laughs> diego diego crespo uh says there's probably more to talk about here but i'm busy picking up the pieces of my exploded brain as i realize everything in this is like a rosetta stone deciphering Zack snyder which is probably <laughs> true probably true and the last one comes nice. from uh, comrade you with a four star that says John Borman's weird mythological pagan passion play, which is, I think, exactly 
exactly what it is. There's a lot of Jesus in here. Lots of Jesus-y stuff in here. Um, What do you guys think of this movie? okay <laughs> all right i mean i it didn't it didn't like blow me away i mean th- there were some like long takes where i was impressed there, there's one towards the beginning where arthur is like just taking excalibur out of the stone and he's he's trying to get that one guy to be be loyal to him or like be his knight it, it, it's it's like a weird way of recruiting the guy but anyways they're like storming this castle and he's like going up the ladder and like kicking guys off the platform and like continues to go off the ladder and like it's like really well blocked and like those stuntmen are like actually falling off of high mm-hmm. platforms like into the water below mm-hmm. and like hitting the water mm-hmm. and like it doesn't cut so like all this shit is not simulated it's like real like these stuntmen are doing dangerous shit and it's it's very well choreographed and then there's fights where it's like i where it's like i already said you're just watching two like rocks hit each other with sticks you know bashing your action figures together oh yeah because yeah. exactly. oh, yeah. yeah, knights, knights doing battle is not exciting no it's it's not like a martial arts movie where like the battle is like exciting to watch and, and it's like fluent and beautiful it's like very ugly fighting mm-hmm. yeah and, and which which teasing at all to the senses which can be sometimes like if you want to just show like a really gritty, like this is the reality of war back then. Sure. You but, know, but, that, but in this case, necessity. in this yeah, place, it's yeah, not. In this it's case, not. it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I've ever liked watching like, like gladiators are different. Like I like the fighting mm. in the movie gladiator, but like I've never seen like knights do battle in a movie and enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, they usually they usually dress them down. I think, like Wes yeah. was saying, when when you look at like Lord of the Rings, like they won't even have the helmet on because you got to see Viggo Mortensen's beautiful face and hair. Mm-hmm. So and he's got the sword and he's you know and he's swinging and kind of running through people. I think the closest thing you get to like entertaining knight action is like three hundred, and they're naked. They're, that's the so, gladiator, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, really knights. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a slight. It's a different thing. Um, for me, yeah, this movie was wacko. It felt like I was yeah. watching, uh, weird, like, like it felt like sci-fi. The Sci-Fi Channel had just opened yeah, up the yeah. catalog and, yeah, and, yeah. and and was putting sure. on like an old Xena uh, rerun. Um, uh, it the the one the person who kept me the most interested was Nicole Williamson as Merlin because mm-hmm. that dude is like I mean he's clearly like the most well I don't want to say the most he's 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 a classically trained actor. I looked into him. He they they he was really revered in his time. They called him like the new Marlon Brando. So like wow. he was the I think wow. the, I think if he was to this movie what like Patrick Stewart would be to a movie today. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh he's eaten it up uh, you know as far as scenery is concerned. But I you think you guys remember towards the end when he's when he's like some consider me a dream. Oh there's a nightmare and he, <laughs> and he disappears. Arm, and then just yeah. like it cuts to like him not being it's not even like a dissolve. It's just like, bam. And he's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shot. yeah. Yeah. There's so much weird stuff like that. He's walking around with a strange metal shower cap for the yeah, whole movie. Yeah. I don't understand. Um, I didn't but understand he... at all the one night going to get the Holy Grail and uh, it being Arthur giving it to him from like the inside. Yeah. Oh, you mean like with the with the drawbridge? Percival. Yeah, I didn't yeah, get yeah. that at all. It's like, supposed oh, to be. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be nuns. It's supposed to be nuns. Uh, in the original story, it's nuns. 
Well, huh. well in, in this movie, it's Arthur, which is uh, apparently, yeah. apparently Arthur. Get out of here. We don't. It, it but also the Grail got... quest. That Grail quest just doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie because we're doing Mordred. Mordred. Yeah. Mordred's coming to the castle to come and kill his dad, and then they stop and do a subplot. They tie up the Percival subplot because he shows up at the midpoint of the movie, and they're like, "We got to tie this kid." Yeah. And they send him on the Grail quest. Yeah. And then he comes back. And suddenly, his King Arthur's like, "Thank God you're back, Percival, my best friend." Uh, and yeah. it's very strange. It's just weird. I mean, wh- listen, Wes. Thank, thank God you can make heads or tails of it because yeah, I mean, I have no I- idea what the fucking Camelot was. <laughs> nonsense to me. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm kind of a Camelot well, traditionalist. I, mean, I, I know all the shit with like pulling the knife out of, I mean, the sword out of the stone, like right. that. I was familiar with. I, I didn't know anything about his witch sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Most of what I know is either, yeah, is either like cultural osmosis with the sword and the stone stuff, or like DC because DC Comics has like all the Camelot stuff in, yeah. wrapped up in 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 their stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, Batman in that TV show, The Brave and the Bold, he visits Camelot and yeah. is messing around. The movie, yeah, it was it it was losing me in the in the first half, but there was something. There were some moments, I, I guess, maybe around the point that like. We meet the, the we start doing the roundtable stuff. Really, when Lancelot shows up is when things get interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, obviously, he's immediately gunning for this man's wife uh, on her wedding day, which is which is real bold. But um, I think there are actually some dialogue exchanges that are really interesting to me, and some lines and some themes. You know, Arthur talking about like um, he says something like, "I wasn't born to live my life. I was I was born to." leave a legacy or something to that effect of like my life is just a is just a footprint in history like it it doesn't belong to me which is an interesting uh thing i think what i was kind of what i was grasping for thematically was uh it seemed like the movie was kind a lot about possessions you know like physical possessions but chiefly it's centered around excalibur which is supposed to be a symbol of hope right it's like Mm -hmm. as long as excalibur remains in the right hands and remains unbroken like Camelot will thrive. Um, we do see Arthur age up in this movie, getting to about the place that he probably is in The Green Knight. Yeah. Um, and, and then yeah. kind of going on one last ride at the end. One last um, Yeah. What, I mean, speaking of the cast, mm-hmm. it took me the whole movie to f- figure out that was Helen Mirren. Like, I, I kept staring I at her. I never figured oh. it out until then. <laughs> oh, <seven>. dude. <laughs> I, 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 remember, I remember being in high school discovering this movie and being like... Mm. Who is that hot woman <laughs> in this movie? And then I mean, she looks great. I know realizing it was Helen Mirren and being like, "Who is this hot older woman that uh, keeps going on yeah. Jimmy Fallon?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then connecting the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a hot older woman. Yeah, I mean, then that's I, I'd never seen. I realized I'd never seen Helen Mirren in a movie where she was younger. So this was like a real, really took me by surprise. But yeah, I mean, overall. Um, it, it, it was pretty entertaining, but it took me a while to actually become invested in the story they were telling. Um, so that's me. But Wes, I mean, where do you want to take the convo, man? You, you chose it, obviously, to pair with Green Knight. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I, I've been thinking of this combo for a while uh, just because of the thematic similarities to me. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a good movie. Um, like I'm under no, no it's uh, feeling that it's a good movie. Uh, I've watched it more times than I'm comfortable with, uh, because it's entertaining to me. Um, <laughs> and I think, I mean, the most interesting thing about the film is when Camelot starts to, uh, crumble and his son comes in and is like, you're old. I'm going to take, mm. I'm going to take everything from you. 
And I almost wish the movie mm-hmm. had forgone the origin story that is the first hour and change and just gone straight to right. after he puts the sword yeah. in between Guinevere and Lancelot, which I remember that being the image that I loved as a kid, which is like they wake up and the Excalibur mm-hmm. is there. You know what I mean? And also like the idea that... I don't understand how that kills Merlin. Because uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I guess the idea is that Arthur and Merlin are connected to the land that is England. They are England. Okay. So uh, so when Arthur vanquishes Excalibur and is like, I don't want to be this kind of king anymore, right? Like he puts it into the ground. It's like, I, I give up, you know? Uh, Merlin can no longer help him. And I think that he loses some of his... You know, the King Arthur legends at some point, Merlin has to go away because Arthur needs to learn how to be a king on his own. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's that the Lady of the Lake drowns him or whatever. Sometimes it's that he yeah. gets locked away. And this way, in, in this version, I guess the they Lady chose. Lady of the Lake is an interesting part of the the lore because she, she, she really like. It seems like nothing can really happen to Excalibur itself because she'll always be there to give him a new restore. It, it's yeah. also yeah, she just has five of them down there. She just. Uh, <laughs> but but what I loved what I loved about it is. Green Knight does a thing with Excalibur where it it really could just be a regular sword. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mystical sword. It's just Arthur's sword. Uh, But in here, it almost seems like Excalibur is, like, what gives Arthur his power. Like, when he doesn't have it, Mm -hmm. he's aging rapidly. And then he gets it. Yeah, He gets it back. And, I mean, in one kind of gross way, it's his penis. Like, in a real way, because he's getting cuckolded. He put he drops yeah. his penis in the woods. His wife picks it up and gives it back to him. He shatters it against Lancelot's shield, yeah. and then he proves his impotence relative to him. Yeah, which is why he can, yeah. you know what I mean. So in, <laughs> in one way, in one way, it's that, but in another way, it's like the movie. He's Jesus. Like the movie wants you yeah. to believe he's Jesus and Excalibur. He's God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. He literally gives uh, the fucking guy the Holy Grail. I can't remember these these Camelot names. Percival, but, Dan. Percival. Percival. Yeah, that's <laughs> such a memorable name. Yeah. Percival. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, He's God, yeah. He is God. He is God. And Merlin is also God. And uh, I don't know. I, it's a terrible movie. And I love it. And I'll probably keep watching it for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> but, but Speaking of movies, you'll show to your kids. I just... I I just think it is such a and I know Dan you have movies like this uh, where you're you're just fascinated with the movie like wh- whose yeah. idea was it to make <laughs> the entire fifty year reign of King Arthur yeah a two hour movie. movie like whose idea was that <laughs> you know what I mean the, the original Evil Dead is in like my top. 20 maybe 10 movies ever made and like it's totally just like a thing that a bunch of like broke college students made yeah who didn't who weren't experienced with filmmaking and just like had all these ideas and like some money lying around from like working summer jobs and stuff and they just like made a movie and like i, I watched it in 4k the other night for the first time and I, I had never seen it in that high of definition and like when you're watching it in 4k it's like Okay, yeah, these these effects were super cheap. Like, like mm-hmm. you can see where like some of the 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 demon gloves and stuff are like falling apart. Mm-hmm. Which which when I watch it as a kid, it's like oh, they're just like disgusting. Like their hands are falling apart. But no, like the actual like prosthetics. The costume like, is not complete. Yeah. Like, yeah, falling <laughs> apart. Like as they're making the movie, and like that movie is so interesting to me that like I don't really care that you look at some aspects of it and you go, okay, well this isn't like 
technically well made because like who gives a shit you know what i mean yeah. it shouldn't yeah. really matter that much because like who, who are we anyways and also like, I th- as long as something like kind of is memorable enough that mm-hmm. makes you want to keep revisiting it then it is special it's i mean and, and that's well and that's kind of i mean not to get too deep about it that's the reason we do this show and i think like there are movies that we just see at a certain age, and no matter if it's good or bad, it's it, it's it, that movie is in our cinematic DNA. You know what I mean? And I saw yeah. this movie. There's stuff I see now that I can I can tell it's not the most well made movie in the world, but it's mm-hmm. it's creative and inventive and original mm-hmm. enough that I I go back to it and I even refer people to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and make make your co-hosts watch it. Uh, but I <laughs> I no, but I I remember seeing this movie at 15, and we were doing Camelot at my school, like the musical. Mm. And I remember discovering this movie during the process of, I guess, researching to be, I think I was Lancelot Squire in that play. Um, but okay. I was, I discovered this movie and I was like, I, I think I knew oh. it wasn't good then, but like yeah. just, just the, the weird plastic armor they're wearing, the fact mm-hmm. that M- Mordred is wearing this gold armor that has a mouthpiece cut out of it. Like he's yeah. Batman. Like it's just, so, there's just so many choices that are so dumb and wonderful mm-hmm that uh it it's just like one of those movies that i'm just like i i, I can't even really analyze it like the, the logic of the movie doesn't even make any sense um, wes i i have a i have a question for you and maybe you know you can educate me and other listeners who might wonder outside of what this movie does because one of the things that confused me about excalibur is that okay so no one but arthur can pull it out of the stone but he's yeah. not the only one who can wield it like he can just hand it to someone else yeah because yeah. that's a that's a whole thing where like he pulls it out and then he gives it to his brother and then he's like, "Hey, did you pull the sword out of the stone?" And he's like, "Yes, I, no, Arthur did it, you know." And then he hands it back. Okay. So there's there's not like a Mjolnir thing where he's the only one who can. Well, here's here's the thing, guys, and this is about to get very nerdy, and then we can wrap <laughs> up. The 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 movie puts together two swords that are not two swords in the legends. In the legend, okay. Arthur has a sword that comes out of the stone. That's one let. Uh, that's one sword, and that determines okay. his kinship. Uh, and I think Merlin tell asks him at some point, like, "Would you rather have a sword or a girdle, or or a sheath?" And uh-huh. Arthur's like, "A sword, duh." And Merlin's so like, "You dipshit! If you would have had this magical sheath, you would have then never the- died." Uh, okay. And then whatever. But so at some point, Arthur loses that first sword, and then uh-huh. the Lady of the Lake, Nimue, gives him Excalibur, which oh, is so essentially not, oh, so it fuses two different swords. It's it, because it would be too much to explain. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, it didn't stop yeah. him from the <laughs> the Grail quest and everything. Uh, they didn't. Uh, but 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 I think it changes legend to legend. But I think the most popular one is that Arthur. It is Arthur's sword. He can hand it to other people, and they can use it. But he uses he it most. Fit. Yeah, yeah. But he can use it most. He uses it most perfectly. Like I think in Green Knight, they mentioned that Arthur killed nine hundred people in one day with Excalibur. Okay. So he 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 uses it most perfectly because he is the king, and and the whole thing that kingship is God's right yeah. to spot on you or whatever. So yeah, to answer your question in a long okay. roundabout way. Got it. No, yeah, I was just wondering because I mean, you know, the metaphorical uh, usages aside, it was kind of confusing me that you know the how i guess singular the sword was actually supposed to be um but uh <laughs> yeah what else goes on i mean the the, the <laughs> it's it's generally hard to follow yeah oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah um, oh yeah but I, but I love i love the camp it's got great camp yeah, it's it very charming uh um 
it's it's just one of those things where like you you would have seen it like back in the 80s or whatever and and to kids back then something like this would have been like a superhero movie Mm -hmm. a blockbuster that you that you see with all your friends and you get excited about so it's, it's cool how the dna of something like this is is still alive and well now it it is kind of like an epic um yeah relatively low budget although with like 11 million you 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 could have done a better job but i mean that's just me uh (laughs) you don't like uh you don't like the painted sets at the end where they just give up they're just like fuck it i love all the camp i i I love camp in general i I think camp is really great um and, and camp is only camp when it's unintentional so uh, well, I actually wanted to ask. I wanted to ask y'all this uh, because that word has been floating around a lot, especially since the Met Gala made it a theme in oh, twenty yeah. whenever. Um, what it, I know that there are different historical roots of it. Y- yeah, but like, I guess to ask where does it come from is so broad a question. But like, when you, I guess when it comes to movies, when you say something is campy, what are y'all actually referring to? Is it always like a low budget situation? Is it about the quality of the actors? Is it about that's a good question. if you can tell if it's self-aware versus not like that's a good it question comes from like in a in like the inception of like what will it be you know like mm-hmm. like will it be this story about like demons coming out of the screen at a movie theater and like killing all the movie because that that's like a campy idea like like mm. is the idea like a b-movie idea you know because mm. because mm. there's tons of like oscar bait movies that are that, that have like melodrama and stuff, but I think that's kind of different from camp. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think camp, uh, Wes, help me out. Camp is like, uh, help me. I, 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 I wish, I wish I had a, a more succinct definition for you, Justin. I just know camp when I see it. So like John yeah. Waters is camp. Uh, oh, Excalibur is camp. And I think there are things most, that are ret- most eighties horror movies. Yeah. And I think there are things that are, weren't meant to be camp and they ended up being camp like Excalibur. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there are things that are, were meant to be camp, like the sixties Batman literal, show. Here's a literal translation, like campfire stories. Like, like when you would tell stories around the campfire, yeah, they, they, they called him a cropsy and like he, he, he was burned and like he, he lives in the woods and he's, he's trying to get revenge against all, all the kids who, yeah. who, who, who live his cabin. But you, you know, like it literally shit like that, that that's yeah. kind of, that, yeah. like, as a, I don't know, as a kid seems more uh, plausible than like when you're, or, and you know, even, and like even in you adapt the... that story and you take it seriously, yeah. you take this goofy story seriously when you adapt it. And then that translates to camp. And even in the, you know? even in the retelling of the story itself, it's somewhat disjointed maybe, or uneven. It's, you know, or, well, I, that's, if you're telling a campfire story, semantic. right? Like, yeah. It's more semantic than what I'm doing, but it's like, you remember when Godzilla vs. Kong came out and Wes, you sent us that like clip from it where she's like, Godzilla's coming. Like he's coming. And you were like, why are we taking this so seriously? Like that's camp, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, yeah. I think when movies acknowledge that they are camp and go for it, well i think like that's no, why john if, waters if you know that you're camp then you're not camp no but i think you, i think you, you can't know that you're camp no but i think there are people like the 60s batman show i think they knew they were making camp like i think they were very aware that that's what they were making and that was cool they, they that's tough where yeah that's but, tough but to say because it works the best when you don't know that what you're making is cheesy Mm. Interesting. Well, here's when it, when it comes to sometimes it's period based when it comes to something like the 60s batman show 
I think it's campy in retrospect because that's just what Batman was back then anyway. So I think no. like uh, there was actually some something of a legitimacy to what when you were like my dad or and and I think mainly my dad watching that show when he was younger, right? Like that's what the comics were like. They they had the boom and the pow and the you know yeah. jumping mm-hmm. Jehoshaphat Batman. So we look back at that now and we're like, ghost. yeah, we look back at that now and we're like, that's campy. But I think at the time it was. It could have been maybe a bit more legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Time it was like impressive that they were doing that. But do you? But I think I think you can. But do you think that? Who wants to go? But 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 what I would say is something like Joel Schumacher's Batman. I think is camp, and I think he was intentionally looking back at the '60s show and being like, "That was camp," and I'm going to harken back to that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, he, he said that he just thought Batman was for kids anyway, so he was just like making a kids movie. So, mm. so I don't think he quite realized. And God bless him. Um, that like that like adults would be like infatuated with Batman, and that they would see this like shitty movie. So I think that <laughs> yeah. is like a good example of camp. Yeah. I think we, and I we... think also um, there is a there is a there is an aspect of camp that's tied into um, queer culture, yeah. you know, and drag performance yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And in those cases, it is almost always intentional. You know, it's it can be a it can be a form of just like ter- taking the dial on whatever we're doing and turning it up to mm-hmm. you know a hundred, and so it is the you know the overblown wigs and the that's why they were able to make it a theme, I guess, at the Met Gala because it's like just come yeah. dressed crazy and let's see it. I yeah. I I don't know. It's this is such a good question. We should almost do an episode about it, but I feel and bring like a <laughs> specialist. Um, but no, I I think it's a well taken. It's a well-taken question, and I think just looping back to this thing so we can come to a close, I think mm-hmm. this – I think if Green Knight is taking those legends and trying to to dig to the bottom of them and make and, – and re and rediscover, like, why people probably told morality yeah. tales. You know what I mean? Like, that seems like the point mm-hmm. of that movie. This yeah. seems to and, be taking – I would say that that's not camp because it's wrapped mm-hmm. up in, like, art house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decor. And I would agree. And maybe mm-hmm. in 20 years, art house will become camp. Who knows? But – um, I think we're, some, we're working on so many levels of meta. It's like, yeah, you know, it's but I think, but I think Excalibur is doing the opposite. Like Excalibur is attempting to do a maximalist entire life of King Arthur story with all the bells and whistles and all of everything. Uh, and it's yeah. and it knows, I think it knows to a certain extent it's cheesy. Like, and I think yeah. you can see, I think it knows to a certain extent it's cheesy. I, I got the indication that the movie was was being very serious and that's why like the camp worked so well for me i feel like the 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 person who seems the most aware of what is happening is merlin yes not only in the obviously in the story but the actor seems the most like oh this is just okay got it and I, i feel like he's taking it the least seriously but in so doing he's able to like ebb and flow with the movie and there are times where he's very his presence is super um um what I want to say when one actor like isn't taking it seriously, it seems like it's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like you look at what he's wearing in this movie, and you're like, how could I ever take this guy seriously? And then when he like lights up that fire on his staff and he tells everyone to shut up so he can give them a speech about like the battle they just won, you're like, this guy is this guy's performing. He's pretty powerful, you know. Like you yeah. believe him, and yeah, then yeah. he's like, ooh, lightning and a flash, and you know he's yeah, doing yeah. all that stuff too. And he so modulates his think, voice weird. Like, why are you yeah. talking like you, he's standing yeah, next yeah. to you? And he's his interesting his 
the scene that he has, his final scene with Morgan Le Fay, where they're kind of dueling telepathically or whatever, while he's like manipulating her to, to say the spell, so she uncasts that uh, uh, the the youth over with herself. The red contacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like that's such an interesting scene. Again, it's he's like he, I know exactly what that's the like temperature of the scene camp. is. That's yeah, a but it's it's example of camp. Yeah, like injected right into my veins. Yeah, so I think he knows the pulse of it, but I think there are some other actors who were like, no, I'm I'm doing a serious like King Arthur Shakespearean. King Arthur movie, yeah. yeah. So uh, it comes. Well, those. Let's uh, let's rate this baby and release Dan from his uh, imprisonment. Uh, yeah, let Dan heal. I need to drink soup. Um, <laughs> you go first, Dan. What would you yeah. uh, what would you rate it on our? Uh, shit, man. This is. Uh, you know what? I like it. Um, I like it for the camp reasons, and I think it's just funny. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I'd probably. I think I would embalm it. Hmm. Cool. You know, I, I think that's like a nice middle of the road. Keep it as is. Yeah. Wes? Yeah. This is extremely difficult for me. Um, <laughs> it's very dear to your heart. <laughs> it is. Um, well, when I say embalm, I'm not ripping on it. That's like a. That's no, a no, 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 no. I, I, embalm is probably the actual uh, fair assessment of the film. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I'm gonna say a. Uh, I'm gonna say embalm as well. Not not that I don't love this movie, which I do, uh, but it's not a good movie. It's a movie with good stuff mm-hmm. in it. It's a movie that's fun, um, but the the plot and the characters aren't real. Like it's all being held together with spit and glue. Uh, and <laughs> if I'm gonna recommend it to someone, I'm gonna recommend it either because you're forced to watch it because you're on the medium work. Or uh, because uh, I'm going to qualify it with something like, "Hey, you should watch it," but also know that it's this. Mm. You know what I mean? So I can't. I can't in a good. I was gonna give it an immortal and just be that guy, send it off the season like that. Uh, but it's an embalm. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Dan. <laughs> yeah. uh, fair, fair enough. I uh, personally will bury it. Um, don't feel any necessity to return to it, and I don't see myself recommending it to anyone. <laughs> uh, it, it, it just. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not even by like a point of comparison between this and the Green Knight. Obviously, they're two they're separated by 40, 50 years, and it's it's like they're in their worlds apart. Yeah, but it's but it's like I don't know. Just on a personal level, didn't really resonate with me. Uh, although I might be trying to clip some memes from Nicole Williams's performance <laughs> to use in my daily life because he's just hilarious in the movie. But um, yeah, I think it'd be a burial for me. Nothing too memorable. Um, sorry, wow. Wes, I, I do love you. Um, but do you think you have the strength to do battle with merlin justin i don't think you appreciate camp as much as we do maybe i don't maybe camp we're gonna do camp corner next season that's (laughs) i i champion camp honestly i actually i i I pretty much know for a fact that i don't really care for camp that much but but i i will endure it sometimes if if i'm being asked to watch something or or if someone is uh, someone that i know is participating in it but yeah, I don't know. I guess it just even even well, this is an off air conversation, but I'll just say, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, that 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 does it for this episode and, and for this season, 12 episodes strong. Uh, we, we stumbled through. Um, we don't we haven't talked about when we'll be back officially. Like We don't have a hard date for y'all, but um, I know that there's uh, there's already one person I've connected with on Twitter who'd be interested in joining us. We'd love to have other guests on who enjoy talking about. I've films, gotten so. tons of requests from friends. 
I, uh, but yeah, I appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all for spending time with us in this humble mortuary for 12 episodes straight. We're all going to take a much needed break, some rest and recovery. Hopefully next time we come back, we can all be in one environment, whether that's a studio, somebody's uh, apartment or whatever. Uh, but it'd be lovely <laughs> if we could, because be nice to... this remote recording is, uh, it, it can be taxing. It's not um, it. It's not it. It's not yeah, it. Yeah, it's not. But but please rate and review the show wherever you get it. Um, follow us on socials at B Media Morgue. We're going to be uh, releasing some surprises soon. Uh, stuff yeah. that you can wear, stuff that you can share. So look out oh, for that yeah. in August. Um, but until then, Wayward Movie Watchers, be well. Stop watching movies. Don't do it. <laughs>